Another Way to Play, Episode 1. Hey, this is Jan Arian with the Gunnerman Group. And if you want to learn to make the next chapter of your life better than the last, then you should be listening to Another Way to Play with my good friend, Hans Strazina. Welcome to Another Way to Play, your wake-up call to finally make a difference by creating a life defined by freedom. This is about entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and industry professionals that have left the 9-to-5 rat race behind by taking that personal leap from where they were to where they want to be. It's time to stop going through the motions, stop hitting the snooze button on your life, and get the insight and inspiration to make the next chapter of your life better than your last. This is Another Way to Play with your host, Hans Struzina. Welcome to Another Way to Play. I am your host, Hans Struzina, and... I believe that if you trade hours for dollars, you will never achieve true freedom in your life. Today's guest is a true friend and colleague, Jan Arian. She is a fantastic broker associate with the Gunderman Group, which is the number one team for residential real estate in the East Bay of the Bay Area. Jan comes from a really interesting background. She has uh, multiple degrees in art and English literature. She actually started her career as a full-time commissioned artist selling her own custom artwork and ultimately moved to Alameda about 10 years ago where she acquired her real estate and then broker's license uh, and is now a full-time real estate agent representing some of the top buyers and sellers in Alameda and the East Bay area. Along the way, she has built four of her own homes, been a landlord, and bought and sold multiple properties, as well as had a flourishing art career. So you're going to want to pay attention to a few of the things we talk about. Uh, Some of the things that stuck out to me most importantly, number one was education. Getting a really solid, strong base of education, and then upgrading your skills as you go, always being a student. She talks about five years of hard work. So pay attention to that as well. It's not an overnight success strategy that she's going to tell us about. It's a lifelong journey of incremental success. And also she talks about passion. Being an artist, she said that if she wouldn't hang it on her own wall, no one else would. So she decided to find things she loved, pursued them to at a very high and excellent level, and then brought that out to the marketplace. So pay attention for that. And before we get into the interview with Jan, I just want to remind you, I would love to meet you to talk to you and hear what you like about the podcast, what you'd like to hear more of, the types of guests we should bring on. So please go ahead and schedule a 15-minute call with me. My Calendly link is below, and I will look forward to talking to you in person sometime soon. And without further ado, here is my conversation with Jan Arian. All right, Jan, thank you so much for joining us today on the show. Oh, it's my pleasure. I'm very happy to be here, Han. I'm really excited to record this episode with you and and, uh, hear some more about your story and share it with the listeners because it's a really exciting one. Okay. (laughs) We've we've come in and, uh, you know, we just had the intro there. Um, So before we kind of get into the meat of your journey, why don't you kind of back up and tell us a little bit about your upbringing and, and sort of what preceded that intro that we just heard. Okay. 
Um, well, I grew up in the Seattle area. Um, I went to high school in uh, Sammamish High School in Bellevue. And um, throughout my lifetime, I attended the University of Washington uh, for about 12 years, totally. Um, I have a degree in English and two uh, art degrees from the UW. And um, I'd say uh, probably um, my whole life I've been relatively driven. Um, I was a good student, uh, always very interested in things going on uh, with a real slant towards uh, liberal arts and, uh, of course, artwork, and, including mathematics. So uh, that was kind of a passion of mine for a while. Um, I was married for 34 years and raised two children in the Seattle area. And um, I wound up moving to California 10 years ago. Uh, before that, I was a full-time artist um, in the Seattle area and um, had a giant hobby, and that was uh, kind of small-time real estate investing, and then I wound up building some houses of my own, which was, needless to say, very exciting. So that's, Absolutely. in a nutshell, that's where I'm coming from, okay? Absolutely, and uh the art part of it is something that I found incredibly interesting with you because you, you, you come at your now your real estate career with a very different lens because of your art background. Um, but going, going back, uh, you worked as a full commission artist. And as you said, had this sort of side hobby of being, um, uh, doing the real estate thing and, and, and owning some rentals as well as building some of your own homes. What do you feel like set you apart from some of your other colleagues in, in the art studio and maybe in the art profession or, or was there anything in particular that set you apart uh, in particular that led you to the real estate side? Well, you know what? Um, it's kind of a combination of things. Um, um, I, my husband and I at the time got our, our first house while we were, you know, upon getting married and uh, it was always fun you know to have the houses and to, to kind of uh fix them up and and make them beautiful um but um i went back to art school uh, when my children went to school just to finish one year of painting and i wound up staying five extra years and got an, an additional degree in surface design so uh literally i was in my kitchen making spaghetti and i thought huh, i wonder if i could ever build a house so I would say that my natural, and I did, I, I proceeded to build a wonderful house, um, and then I built three more <laughs> through the years. Um, but I think that the real estate was always um, sort of on the back burner, and it was easy. It wasn't ever a hard thing uh, to do. And liking people, um, I always liked my renters. I had wonderful renters. Uh, but you know, it's funny how I've, I've never taken a business class, and I worked very hard as an artist. So I would think uh, that probably of all the jobs I've had, the uh, the studio artist is the hardest one. Yeah. Because you're looking at a blank canvas. Yeah. And my um, uh, my kind of slogan was always custom and always original. So even though um, I made a lot of prints and and did printmaking on my etching press, I probably only made like three to five copies of every print. So for me, everything does have to be original. And uh, one of my friends asked me one time, how come everything has to be so hard? And, you know, my response I, it kind of took me back. I thought, well, because it's not good unless it's hard, you know? <laughs> so um, when I was thinking of, of uh, my approach and what does set it apart, 
Um, I've always had a five-year plan. That's another thing that um, recently, you know, the plans and kind of uh, the seminars that especially realtors go to with goal setting, I think I just always did that naturally. Um, I'm pretty independent, and I decided when I finished that painting degree that that's what I was going to do. I was going to be a successful artist. And um, as it turned out, I was. I could have been self-supporting uh, for quite a few years, which is, is quite a, a feat, actually, if Seriously. you think of uh, everything being original, you know. But um, I think uh, I looked at other people, and not that there are no shortcuts, I don't think. But what I did is I figured out how did my mentors and my heroes, how did they do it? Well, they all had their own original work, of course and the passion that drove them. But the other thing, they were very well educated. And that's what drove me back to the University of Washington. And I think in a sense, real estate is the same way. Um, you know, you can take seminars and go to meetings and you can network, but really, um, I would say in my real estate career, my broker's license has helped me more than any credential. And again, it was that thing that I looked at my peers and thought, okay, who are my heroes here? Um, and they, a lot of them had broker's licenses and they didn't waste any time. They just got right in and, and were very well qualified and did their work. So that kind of formula has worked for me. And um, even though it's kind of the, um, it's a little bit of an edgy approach, I just think that for me, it was better not to compromise, but to really just plunge in and see if I could do it. And if I failed, that was fine because I turned over every stone and so I failed. Although, gladly I didn't, but you know what I mean? <laughs> wow. There, there's certainly a lot to unpack there. I want to go back to, to one of the things you said earlier just a minute ago um, about it being hard. You know, a lot of people, mm -hmm. these, I'd say, are, are looking for maybe an easy button or a quick fix or, you know, 30 day mm -hmm. to success or whatever it is. Um, but you said if it's not hard, it's not, it's not good or it's not fun or something to that extent. Uh -huh. and, and I find right. that to be really interesting. And, um, you know, can you, can you maybe unpack that for us a little bit more? What, what does that mean? And can you maybe give us an, a, a story or an example of, of how that showed up in your life or your journey? Well, yeah, um, actually, um, to get my art credentials, uh, took a while, of course, that's two full, uh, five-year degrees to the FAs, and then um, I set out to, uh, you know, to sell my artwork, and I, I aligned myself with a really great gallery, and then the Seattle Art Museum, Southern Royal Gallery, took my work on, and um, Barbara Shaman, at the time, the director said, well, Jen, you know, you're just starting out here, and it's going to take you a while to build a pedigree, to build your credentials, and people who buy your paintings are going to want to know that you're in it for the long haul. You're not, they're not going to buy a, an expensive painting, and then you quit painting, that kind mm -hmm. of thing. So I took that in stride, and I'd say that, um, again, I, I, I feel like I'm a lucky person, and, um, you know, my friend Phil Weingrow always says, um, well, that's where luck meets um, hard work and experience, you know, but um, the thing is, is that uh, I, I was quite prominent at Pratt Fine Arts Center in Seattle, so again, lining up with the University of Washington, my peers, and my professors was a smart business move, whether I realized it at the time, and by the same, on the flip side, with real estate, my first uh, broker, Jerry Nussbaum at Canaan Associates, 
said to me, he could see I was working and working, and he said, you know, I said, well, what are all these designations? And he said, oh, you know, one's a senior specialist, one's this and that. He said, but if you really want to learn a lot and have the best credential, get a broker's license. So I was one year into my career at that point, and I kind of took it at face value. I thought, well, that's a pretty good idea, Jerry. So um, I studied uh, for quite a while, and um, I got my broker's license uh, during my second year of real estate. And um, Jerry asked me after that, Jan, how long do you think it's going to take you to really succeed? Like, like where, are you, where are you going and how long is it going to take? And I said, well, Jerry, I think it's going to take two years, but really it's going to take five years. And I say that because that's what happened with my art career. And after five years of really hard work and um, networking somewhat, but again, um, I knew I, I couldn't sell anything. In fact, the only thing I've ever sold really is real estate, which is, you know, I came late to the table, but um, I was, believe me, I was a client for a long time and in that hot seat, you know, being the buyer or the seller. But um, I think that, you know, you take a look at it and you just, you just plunge in and there are shortcuts. For me, the shortcut, um, I say this tongue in cheek, was to meet the gallery owners and find out who's who, what's what, and, um, you know, critically, as with with art and real estate, I developed my own style. And if I hadn't studied hard and I, I hadn't really poured in and learned, I learned so much home. Like I could have never self-taught my my own. Um, uh, you know, I could not have educated myself as well without that nice big university and all those professors. So mm-hmm. I did my homework. I worked hard, and I developed my own style. And I actually fell in love with my style. Like I. It sounds funny, but I love my own artwork, and mm-hmm. I started to believe that if if I didn't love it and I didn't want to hang it on my wall, nobody else would either. Mm-hmm. And that translates so well to real estate because if you don't really care about your clients and make sure that that product is what they need and want and can afford, that you know it it really it really is kind of a in my mind a smooth transition between the two, you know. Yeah, that I mean. Geez, there's there, again, there's there's so many great nuggets and great anecdotes in there. I love it. Um, oh, I'm seeing a I'm seeing a trend here, which I'd I'd like to sort of uh, pull out. You, you've talked about education and and upgrading your skills, regardless of your industry, whether it was art, going back to school and getting your art degree, or uh, your transition mm-hmm. to the real estate world and and getting your broker's license and and finding mentors along the way in either in all these areas, asking them you know what the uh, what the mm-hmm. best next step is, and then actually taking their advice and running with it. I think mm-hmm. I believe that there's a huge as we've said before, a huge kind of quick fix uh, world out there right now that's trying to solve problems in 30 days or less. And you're talking about five years of dedicated work. Why do you find that um, number to be so important? Or is it just that that has been your experience as far as uh, your sort of path to success and where you want to be? Well, you know, that's what's worked out uh, for me. And um, I I have to say that formula kind of worked for my daughter as well sort of unwittingly it's not like I said to her it's going to take you five years but um she chose to get a doctorate degree in psychology and she said you know I I don't want to stop at a master's degree and I know it's going to take me five years and 
being her mother, I said, yeah, it will. And now um, she's been working for almost five years and she's got a big promotion and a wonderful job. So it seems to be realistic. Um, the other thing I should sort of temper this idea with is that, you know, speaking of being realistic, you have to be realistic with yourself, you know, and there are a lot of things that I can't do or I certainly don't want to do. So I've been fortunate in that my expectations of myself and the things that I've wanted to achieve were within reach. I mean, and I was on my tiptoes reaching and striving for this, but um, they weren't unrealistic in the sense that it was a stretch, but I knew that I had uh, the capability and the stamina to finish it. And also with the education, I had a really strong base to build from, you know? So um, I would just say that, um, again, we're lucky if, if we can uh, keep our, our uh, desires and things that we want within the realm of achievability. Yeah. Totally. You know, I'm, I'm reading this book right now. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of it or if the listeners have heard of it. It's called Win Bigly by Scott Adams, who is uh, most notably the uh, creator and author of the comic strip Dilbert. And in, oh. in the book, he talks about you know, this persistence thing that you're talking about and, and, you know, being willing to, uh, achieve, learn a whole bunch of different skills and not necessarily mastering them all, but like learning them to a proficient level and then kind of stacking them all together. And mm -hmm. ultimately, um, you know, he, he has an art, uh, an art skill, a writing skill, a humor skill that he has kind of created a, a comic strip with. And you have, uh, done something like that to ultimately come to your real estate career with your ability to sell your art and then look at design and look at some of these other elements that have, that have married in an interesting way. But what, I, what I'm really curious about is, is what you just said is, is this hard work component because on the flip side of uh, the, the kind of quick fix 30-day mentality out there, is of course you have to grind, you have to work hard, you have to you know spend some time, work mm -hmm. your way up the ladder. Um, but, but Scott Adams in the book is saying, if you're not seeing some level of success relatively quickly, at least with some kind of a niche audience, whether it's art or writing or a blog or, or in, a, mm -hmm. in a career, then, then maybe no amount of work will ever uh, get you to a successful level. And maybe you're just not cut out for that specific topic. What do you, what do you think about that idea of having success some, at least a little bit right off the bat is an indication that you should keep going? Well, I, w I would agree with that somewhat. Um, and um, listening to what you just said, it, it, um, it's true. You need to have gratification or the pat on the head uh, for me. Um, I was completely embroiled in a different career doing marketing and being a mom and all this stuff. But I needed to go back to a big art program like at the University of Washington, which I'd already nearly completed a degree with anyway, but years earlier. And I needed to get grades and I needed to get really good grades. And, mm -hmm. you know, um, one of my professors said to me, you know, Jan, whatever you decide to do, I really think you'll be successful. And it meant the world to me because. Um, he was a painting professor, but I was just uh, segueing into printmaking and doing this whole other genre. And I thought, well, thank you, Richard, that he'd watched me work 
for three years, really hard. And uh, this is during my final review for my degree. And uh, it really, really, really meant a lot. And, you know, Jerry, uh, again, my first broker said to me, you know, Jan, people trust you. They really do believe in you and they trust you. And I think you're going to do very well. So, you know, that was just their take on it. But I think they could, um, each of them respectively, could see my work ethic. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing that um, is interesting, um, I I really don't take no for an answer. Mm-hmm. And uh, you and I have a mutual friend who uh, recently I said to her, don't ever take no for an answer. Yep. Well, that's a little bit of a tongue-in-cheek joke, but true because um, some of the people closest to me, my my dear friends and everything, oh, no, you don't want to do that. Oh, it's going to be so scary. Do you think you could really do it? Or, you know, uh, or maybe, and I have a beloved uncle. I adore him, but he's very conservative. And um, a couple of times when I really wanted to take the plunge and buy a piece of uh, property and build a house, I think he looked at the risk. And he's very risk averse. And he said, Jan, I, I don't think I don't think you better be careful. Why don't you just keep that money in the bank? And you know, it's a big risk. And I I just didn't. I did everything. I did all my lists, my sheets. And I thought, what what's the worst thing that could happen? And in that respect, I think I was I would have broken even. You know. Um, and I and as it turned out, it was one of the best things I ever did. It's kind of like in real estate, sometimes it's possible to go from step one to step three. And I can remember him sitting at our dinner table five years later saying, Wow, Jan, you did a really good job here. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So and, and I love him so much and I've listened to him my whole life. Uh, you know, um, but a few times I thought, no, I think maybe maybe generationally he's not there or you know, he's, he's had a very conservative life where, I mean, I went to art school. So I kind of do my job was to think outside of the box, you know? It's, I, my next question was actually going to transition back to the top of our podcast, which is when did you realize that there is another way to play? And you've sort of already answered that. You've kind of already always had that due to your art drive. And then ultimately you asking yourself, can I build a house? Can I get a rental? Can Mm -hmm. I move to California and start a whole new career? Um, But is there Mm -hmm. a specific time or or can you paint the picture of a moment when when you really realize that? Or have you always felt like you've had it? You know what? Um, I think... um... I've always, I've, I think I've always had it. Um, the oldest child and the only girl, I was very independent and my younger siblings were much younger than I was. So I was kind of on my own. But um, again, I think all the kudos, the, the grades, the good things all through my education and my teacher mentors were very helpful. But you know how I didn't really realize that I was competitive until I went to art school. Well, hmm. you know who I was most competitive with it's myself. And, you know, it didn't have anything to do with anyone around me because obviously I wasn't going to plagiarize or copy anybody and I had to think of my own thing. So it's almost like you finish a commission or a really good painting and you look at it, you think, okay, okay, now what, you know, what's next? And in a sense, real estate's like that. Um, I'm surrounded by such a successful, well, the team, uh, the Gunnerman Group is phenomenal. Um, I don't think you could ever work for a better group of people and be so, um, you know, loving and loved. It's just 
it's wonderful. But I don't feel competitive with anybody on my team, honestly, nor anyone in our uh, parent company. Mm-hmm. But I'm competitive with myself. And, um, you know, real estate's so up and down. And like artworks, you know, you never know um, what's coming next or if you'll sell a lot of houses or none. But I've made myself stop worrying about that and look at the bottom line at the end of the year. And it's so rewarding. And again, that's kind of factors into the five-year plan. But you look at what you've done, and I only look to myself and think, okay, what's next? Do we want to beat that? Do we want to back off? Do we, you know, what's coming? And um, I love my life. I travel a lot. I read a lot. It's not like I, I'm a workaholic. Really, I'm kind of a lifeaholic. <laughs> that okay. lifeaholic. That is awesome. I love. <laughs> I, I've never heard anyone put it that way, but I, I so understand it based on your story and the and the anecdotes you've just given us. Um, man, there's there's so much here and so many directions we could we could go with this. Um, I had one one question kind of pop up that that has been itching at me for a few minutes here, and that is about passion. Uh, most people who are probably listening to the podcast right now are, are in some kind of a nine to five commute to and from work every day job that they may or may not be passionate about. And there's a lot of advice out there about follow your passion, the money will come and that sort of thing. And, mm-hmm. and I think there's, there's sort of a romance, especially with either entrepreneurship or art or music or some of these other creative, uh, endeavors but do you find that passion is what really drove you or was was it really this competition or um do you find that passion is important in pursuing success um honestly i i would have to say yes um i don't think it's especially prescriptive um one thing about artwork uh before i went back to art school i was getting migraine headaches i was grinding my teeth I was uh, kind of a wreck and all I really wanted to do was paint and uh, that when I got back to art school all of those affectations went away and you know the the, the artists that I know who are um, probably the most successful can't stop doing artwork like it it literally just pours out of you you can't stop it whether you're making a dinner or you're painting a bedroom or whatever it it, it exudes uh, it's it's like a force that you can't stop it. So, and I I would guess that it would be the same with musicians. Uh, I was reading an article on Lucas Nelson who said, you know, I have so many songs in my head. I don't think I can ever write them all down. And he said, I either write music like people make breakfast. I thought, yeah, I know what you mean. I mean, you know, it's like, um, it just it it's not it's unstoppable. However, um. One of my wise professors, again, at the UW, said, you know, if you're going to sit around and wait for inspiration, that's never going to happen. And by the way, guys, there's no such thing as an okay painting. So, you know, again, that's kind of a tough love way to look at things. But, um, yeah, I would have to say that um, it, you have to be passionate or what, however you uh, define that urge or that drive. Whatever it is that drives you, you have to honor that. And um, in my case, I quit a full time. I had an actually a little marketing business on my own uh, as a result of my English background. And it was retail marketing. And it wasn't really my thing. I was good at it, which I found out in my lifetime. I'm good at a lot of things. I really am. But it wasn't my deal, you know. So I quit. I hired an assistant. I said, here you go. You be me. 
And there you go. There's business here's the job. And I went back to art school full time. And that was another risk. I I forfeited in a solid good income and a lot of independence to go back and be a student. But it made all the difference. And you know, it's like the sacrifice and, and again it's like um if I don't take the risk, how will I ever know? How will I ever know, you know? Yes, absolutely. You will never know unless you actually take that leap. And there's a lot of people mm-hmm. out there who are considering that leap, maybe looking over the edge, trying to decide whether or not to jump, follow their passion or, or follow this crazy idea they have, whatever whatever it is that's floating around in their head. Um, and you mm-hmm. certainly, based on our conversation so far, have been plugged into your your kind of inner passion and finding the the thing that really gets you going and and just I'm not going to say mm-hmm. blindly following it but certainly following it uh, into some very interesting places and taking some risk as a result though mm-hmm. I'm not sure that everybody is that plugged into themselves so if if someone were talking to you and was trying to make that decision and you were advising them about hey go out on your own and start this art career or go on this entrepreneurial journey like how would you advise them on uh, moving forward and deciding if the passion is there if they have what it takes if this is really the risk worth taking mm-hmm. um i suppose that there's a few things um you know you have to have sustenance you need a roof over your head and you need to be secure um i i think um I would make sure if I was, I would do an outline of some sort, make sure that you're safe, that you can go the distance, um, depending on if it's education or giving yourself two years of, of time to, um, to explore something. But um, the other thing, you just have to almost be your own parent. You almost have to say, all right, this is not going to be easy and it's unknown territory. So, I mean, there've been a lot of times I've had to deal with myself and just think, you know, I don't know, maybe I'm hitting a wall. Luckily, I haven't had any creative blocks or anything like that. Um, I probably felt um, that issue a little bit more with real estate because I came late uh, to real estate. And again, I've never sold anything. So my approach to how I approach sales is probably a lot different than some of my colleagues. But I have to do it, again, my way. So I've stopped a few times. during, I think it was my second or third year, I thought, you know, this is really a lot of work. And if it doesn't pay off, I don't know if I'm, if I'm cut out to, to be poor, you know? (laughs) So I just, um, I kind of dealt with myself. And again, for me, the solution often is just honkering down and lining myself up with some really good folks. And it was about that time, uh, I think a year or so after that, that um, I joined the group that I'm I'm in and um, the parent company of Alon Pinnell, and that made that made all the difference. And again, mm-hmm. kind of stopping and looking at yourself and what are you doing here? Couldn't you put these skills to better use, maybe in a better company or a better scenario or possibly a better city? You know, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Okay. So inevitably along the path you you do have creative blocks and you do have stumbling blocks or you you do have dry spells or whatever the case is um and and i think you just gave some really amazing advice which was to stop break it back down to its core and say Mm -hmm. you know what led you to this place in the first place and you said a, a couple of things you know be your own parent you know check check in with yourself and 
potentially check yourself uh, to make sure that mm-hmm. the worry that you're, you're feeling is real. And then find those mentors, re-engage with those people who helped you get to the point where you're at now and and mm-hmm. make sure that you're you're grounding yourself in some level of reality uh relative to their experience and their advice is that all fair to say yeah. oh it's exactly right you're exactly right um, in fact when i was considering joining a group um i'd always been a, an independent agent and uh, i did very well and then uh, i did consult my broker who who was very thoughtful, uh, non-judgmental, not uh, not yes or no, one way or the other. But um, I think it's fair to say that the people that I've asked uh, for different things, like at the crossroads of my career, um, they've been really thoughtful. And uh, in some cases, like with my uncle, I've made my own decision and not taken their advice. But <laughs> it is nice to have a sounding board. You know, um, the other thing, Artwork is so um, specific and I know just so personal, but there are artists out there who are really competitive. And, you know, I had artists say, well, how did you get this show? How did you do this? How did you do that? Well, at the time I submitted images like just like you do, and they didn't know who I was. They chose my work. So you'll find that with real estate as well, that, uh, well, how did you get this thing? What are you doing? And I'm not doing, well, I don't know. I'm just being myself and I'm, sometimes kind of slowing it right down. Like, um, I think uh, my artwork, I did fewer paintings, but I did them better. And because they were better, they they got better prices. And it's the same with real estate. I've slowed it down a little bit. I sell, uh, you know, bigger properties and certainly more interesting properties. I've learned to go to court uh, for probate sales. I mean, it's been enormously interesting and really gratifying to just kind of um, go a little bit slower, but be really focused, you know? Amazing. Amazing advice. Sometimes slower is fast. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) One thing I find really interesting about you and your career, Jan, is um, we had this conversation a, a couple months ago over coffee, and you said something to me which was interesting and, and sort of counter to what a lot of the real estate gurus are talking about or just business in general is, is you have focused a lot of your business on representing buyers. And I would say the lion's share of the coaches and the advice out there are, are touting this idea of um, not buyers, but, but working with sellers, getting listings, doing more, increasing volume by X percent a year, blah, blah, blah. But going back to your comment about lifeaholic, you have sort of designed a lifestyle here that, that is different and is, and is, um, really sort of counter to what most people are doing in the industry. Uh, what led you to making that decision ultimately and deciding not what everyone is doing or, or I follow the path that everyone is doing, but what's going to work for me? How did you get to that point? Well, you know, I'd have to say um, in real estate, it, it has evolved. Um, I, I also learned that, yeah, you know, if you don't get the listings, you won't last. That kind of a cliche. Uh, but I look back on my own uh, real estate experiences, and often um, being being the buyer was such a gut wrenching experience. And I was so lucky in the kind of the end of all my 
you know, acquisitions and building things. Um, I had a wonderful realtor of my own who would always tease me and say, hey, Jan, you know, you should be a realtor. Why don't you come and work with me? I said, no, I'm an artist, you know, I'm not doing it. But then um, later when I became a realtor, he just chuckled. And ironically, I've done a couple of deals with him. He's in Seattle and I, I adore him, you know, so he's referred people to me and vice versa. But um, I think I have so much empathy for the buyer. They are so scared and there's so many ways to buy a house. Often it's not how much you spend, but it's how you buy the house. Mm -hmm. um, I had a bridge loan when they were first invented. It was the smartest thing ever. Crazy expensive, but smart. So I know how to buy things. And I think that's really important. And sometimes I think with the passion and the and all the confusion with financing and and what uh the pundits say and oh it's going to be bid up this much and that much you know let's just wait and see let's again let's turn over every stone let's find every option let's figure out how we can do this and let's do it and i love the deal i really adore writing contracts and i love getting in that and oddly i like bidding wars and often um my clients have got have gotten a house because it's not the highest price, but it's the best offer. And mm -hmm. that is actually just a, a wonderful place to be. So um, I don't know if it's harder. It's not harder for me. Um, I tend to meet a lot of people at open houses mm -hmm. and gratefully um, I've had a lot of really good open houses and it's funny, but people sort of sense maybe that empathy or whatever. And, you know, again, kind of slow it down and say, how are you doing? Or do you like this house? And really, I can think of three specific examples where the person came to the open house. Oh, I love this house. And then they come back at the end of the open house and they'll say, Jan, I really want to buy this house. So that, I don't know, it just must translate what I'm thinking or maybe I'm a safe, kind of a safe place. I'm, I'm not just Absolutely. cranking out the numbers. I want to help them, you know. There's an authenticity both internally that then excludes externally, I think. And, and it really does come across when you meet you in person, especially uh, you, you do present this very different uh, persona than a typical agent or a typical salesperson in general. Um, and that authenticity mm -hmm. is so, so important and true. Well, I, we're getting towards the end of our time, Jan. So I do want to transition a little bit over to our focus five, which is the last segment of our okay. show. Got a five quick questions with some quick, uh, awesome answers. You ready for that? Ready. <laughs> All right. Um, so first question, what book have you gifted most recently? Oh, what book have I gifted? Um, <clears throat> well, you know, there's a funny old book that you probably will laugh at, but it's Do What You Love and the Money Will Follow. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's it's a crazy little book. I haven't gifted it uh, most recently, but I've gifted it a fair amount in the past. Um, I found, I wrote it, I think, uh, right before I went back to art school. And um, my son-in-law is from France. And uh, he found it remarkable, this simple little, small little book. So um, it's a cliche. And honestly, I don't uh, have a lot of self-help books or um, any of that. But I found it to be kind of useful. And I have reread it uh, from time to time. So it's simple, but it, it, it's pointed, you know. Perfect. Um, perfect. If you could get an hour of somebody's time, past or present, and ask as many questions as you wanted in that hour, who would it be and why? 
It would be my grandmother, Violet. Um, she uh, left this world when I was 18, and um, uh, she was such a, a wonderful, loving, um, I don't know, compassionate uh, woman, and I loved her so much, and I found through my years of parenting that I'm a parent like my grandmother was, and uh, now I'm a grandmother, and I'm a grandmother like my grandmother. So um, there's so many questions that I would have for her, just kind of going back. And uh, it would be such a delicious conversation, I think, you know. Beautiful. What is one thing that you believe that most people would disagree with you on? That you should have fun all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Love it. Yeah. No, I know my father used to say, oh, everything can't be fun. And uh, he'd get mad at me. I'd say, well, why not? You know, so, um, yeah, people disagree with that. You know, hard work can be really fun, you know. So uh, I guess it's our definition of fun. Uh, it, it's subjective, right? <laughs> totally, totally. Um, so give us a glimpse of your morning routine. How do you get your day started? Well, um, I get up uh, three days a week and I run on the beach in Alameda. And it's kind of an interval running and walking um, on the uh, shoreline the beach. Um, I probably get about 6.30. Um, I'm usually reading a book. I belong to a really, a very nice stimulating book club. So I'll read a little bit of that. Um, I portion out the Sunday New York Times and save articles. So I try to read a little bit. Um, if there's uh, real salient news, I'll maybe turn on the news for a minute. Um, and then I take off. I really, um, I have meetings about three days a week. And um, I check my email uh, like I think like every realtor I know, texting and emailing. So that probably takes an hour in the morning, uh, light breakfast, and then I'm on my way depending upon what's going on. Okay. Excellent. And lastly, what is the best place that uh, the audience can find and connect with you online the most? Um, I would say probably through the Gunderman Group at Sotheby's. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm pretty private when it comes to social media. Um, I, again, um, I love picking up the phone. I email like crazy, but um, I would say you can find out the most about me currently on, on the Gunderman Group web, website through Sotheby's. Perfect. So that's the GundermanGroup.com and Jan is listed under the team tab. So make sure you go over there, check out her profile and reach out to her with any questions or thoughts you have because she is amazing wealth of knowledge as you've experienced here on the podcast. So Jan, thank you so, so much. And uh, do you have any thoughts you'd like to leave with the audience before we sign off? Uh, No, I think think just uh, again, follow your heart, give yourself a chance. Um, you can do it. <laughs> it's a, it's a fun life. And, uh, again, everything we learn come, kind of comes back tenfold. It's, it's a rich, fun life. It's, it should be enjoyed, you know? Beautiful. So thank you. Hans. Um, I love talking to you. I could talk to you for a few more hours, actually. Absolutely. <laughs> well, th- thank you, Jan. And we'll have to come back another time and, and, and expand on our conversation. But until then, uh, we're going to sign off and thank you again for being part of the podcast. And that is the show. Thank you so much for tuning in to my conversation with Jan Arian. I hope you got as much out of it as I did. 
Now in that light, remember I have my Calendly link set up for a 15 minute call in the show notes. I would love to hear from you personally to find out what you're resonating with, where you're coming from, what you wanna hear more of and the type of guest we should bring on the show. So go ahead and click in the show notes, get on my calendar, let's have a chat and I look forward to talking to you soon. This is Hans Strazina with Another Way to Play signing off. And remember, make every chapter better than the last. Thanks for joining in for this episode of Another Way to Play, making the next chapter of your life better than your last. For more insights and inspiration to help you make that personal leap, be sure to engage with Hans on social media and get your questions answered right here on the show. Reach out to Hans at Chief SNAH on Instagram, and we'll catch you on the next episode of Another Way to Play. Thank you.